Pedro Boys. Pedro Boys. Page. Proudly presents. Pedro Boys. Page. Pedro Boys. Pedro Boys presents. Mothorn Rankers. Episode. Uh, six. Six? But really. Four? Okay, so Josh, from this particular scene in Pager Boys presents Mudhorn Rakers presents the process. Mm-hmm. We're going to come in um, hot. We're going to come in. Um, yeah. Cran- ca- uh, crane. Crane camera. And from up above. And it's going to it's going to be an, an aerial shot that goes over mm-hmm. and in, over the shoulder in, over the shoulder into the darkness. Yes. Um, and then we're going to have basically um our tech dorks are gonna do some stuff mm-hmm. and it's gonna make it kind of seem like the po boys um you know our x-wing po boys ships are going into hyperspace right and now we're gonna when we program the shot aerial shot crane zoom up above going down um between our shoulders from behind in the darkness um, we're going to have the, 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 uh, gals and guys in, in pre-pro, uh, I'm going to need them to pre-program in a simulation of it being kind of more handheld. And then it's going to kind of hit some turbulence as it clips our traps. And, and Josh, and Josh, as, you, as it goes as, over the muscle, as you know, um, with Corona, we haven't been able to get in all of our um, tech. Some stuff is still mm-hmm. in the mail. So um, the shot going over our shoulders, because we are so, so swole, built, and cut, mm-hmm. it's not, mm-hmm. the camera we have is not defined enough to see right. each we are gonna need to do chiseled IMAX. valley of our, our, of our swole, swole bodies. So they mm-hmm. are going to have to render that. Um, there's really no, just nothing we can do about that. They're not going to be able to capture the full extent of the tone-defined swole boys that you and I are. Right. Yeah, it'll it'll be 720p max with what we're working with. And we, we, gotta, we, we, want, we, yeah, we need to get to 1080, but, you know, it, mm-hmm. honestly, it can't be helped. And that's, that's – it's not our fault. Um it's certainly somebody's fault, and heads will roll. But mm-hmm. you just got to roll with the punches, and that's what um, Pedro boys do. Sure, sure. Um, okay, and then, you know, we've got some more pre-pro to go over with this episode that we'll get to in a minute. Um, but first, I guess we should probably talk about John Boyega, right? Yeah, I think that it. when it comes to our production side, we should definitely hit them with our news and then talk about the big thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd be remiss that, I mean, the, the only big thing that's been in the news is John Boyega and, mm-hmm. um, you know, really him taking, taking the reins and actually, you know, making his voice heard, which has been pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it makes you kind of stop and prioritize. I mean, in amongst all the, the broader, more sweeping momentum that is, that is happening right now, that, uh, I am feel too stupid to talk about, but obviously 
wholeheartedly support. It's it m- makes you from a Star Wars perspective. Oh, kill me. Um, it makes you think about like, oh, why do we look up to the people we look up to and stuff? And like, John Boyega is great, and we love John Boyega. But I think it's so cool to be like, oh yeah, John Boyega, he's Finn. How cool! But then, you know, in real life, um, doing something like this is obviously far more heroic than um, pretending to be, you know, a hero in a movie and stuff. And it, uh, yeah, I don't know. Very cool, super admirable. Um, well, the, the thing that. I related to with John Boyega is, you know, he has that post that everybody was sharing on. Well, it wasn't him. It was a, a, um, a tweet about him where he mm-hmm. was saying, you know, um, I might not have a career after this, but F that because of what's, you know, happening. Right. And just the idea, you know, we've seen in different um, fields that, expressing your opinion, doing these things can have a negative effect on your career. I mean, um, oh, yeah. you, you and I haven't really posted anything public about this. I know that, um, both of us have made some donations behind the scenes, but, um, that's definitely something I've, I've really thought of, of, you know, um, like I went to a, a protest this past weekend, but, um, I'm not posting a ton of material out there. Um, I, I don't think my, like my, my employer has, made some statements for sure, um, supporting the protests. Um, but that's just something that, you know, people think about is how is that going to be reflected mm-hmm. on him? And John Boyega was like, I don't really care whatsoever. Yeah. And to Star Wars credits, to Disney's credits, um, they backed him up a hundred percent, which was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it is wild because I mean, it's, it's a very true sentiment that, you know, that support was not guaranteed. I mean, even I would say as as recently as like a year ago, maybe there would be very different reactions to this kind of stuff. And it seems like this time around, uh, public support is is more widely behind this sentiment. But I mean, it was not that long ago, you know, where uh, standing up for this sort of thing had very real impacts on people's professional lives. Well, and um, and also from Disney as a brand, right? Like we're not that far removed from the fact that they stripped Finn in the advertisements in in um Chinese markets. Do, do you remember mm-hmm. that? Um and that got a lot of criticism because they think they thought the movie wouldn't sell as much by not featuring Finn, who is, you know, the, one of the main characters in force awakens. Yeah. And I mean, we're also just, you know, not that far removed from what I would argue was Disney's utterly reprehensible handling of so-called fan backlash to like the character of Rose Tico and everything that Kelly Marie Tran went through and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I I don't even remember them saying anything. Yeah. And then they, you know, quite frankly, seem to bend to that sentiment in the next film they made featuring that character. So, you know, on the one hand, it's it's great that, you know, Lucasfilm and Star Wars is making a statement in support of John Boyega. Um, it'll, it'll be even better when they back that up, you know. Um, and maybe sometime in the future we'll be watching a roundtable of behind the scenes folks that aren't, you know, 
exclusively white. I mean, they have, a, you know, looking at Mandalorian, they've got a great line of very diverse, talented directors. But then, you know, you get to talking about behind the scenes stuff and all these legacy people that work at Lucasfilm. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a there's a commonality here. Yeah. And that's and that's we're not saying that the, you know, people that work at Lucasfilm are not deserving, that they're not great sure. people. It's the big the bigger issue is just the lack of education and opportunities that allows for this to continue. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's not something that can, you can immediately be like Lucasfilm needs to hire 20, 30, um, black men and women or minority, uh, minorities. Um, although I don't really enjoy using that word. It's a matter of taking a step back further and saying we need to invest more into STEM for these students. They need to have the idea that there will be a career once they go through this education. And that's kind of, that's really the like structural solution that happens to a lot of these things because the population Uh of non-whites in different fields is always less due to their access to, you know, quality education. For sure. So, I don't know. It felt like we needed to haphazardly address that as poorly as we possibly could. Yeah. Um, um, I'm bad at it. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm not as bad. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely, like, it's v- extremely cool that he was able, that he did that. Um, yeah. It, Very heroic It was him. nice to see... Um, people of influence outside of Disney reaching out to him. So, you know, mm-hmm. JJ showing that he's a class act um, who has, like, you know, he. I've been watching one of JJ's shows from CBS, Person of Interest, in my Corona rewatch. Well, I've actually never watched it, so I'm binging that right now. Person of Interest? Yeah. Did you finish Next Generation? No, I didn't. I, I, I couldn't. Wow. Yeah. Um, it, the, the problem is I know what happens. Interest. So mm. I was like, do I really want to go through two more seasons of this? And, and said you read it on Wikipedia. No, no. I mean, I, 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 your I saw, I don't know, one or two of the movies and, oh, and I watched mm-hmm. Picard. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but to my point, you know, JJ has TV connections. He's obviously going to do feature films um the really exciting one was jordan peele saying that he he, he's got there's a match i want to see yeah um for sure yeah for sure um john i mean that excited me the movies i've seen john Boyega and um our mutual friend um showed me attack of the block like years before force awakens so i knew John Boyega. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Daisy Ridley because I hadn't seen that like indie film that no. she was in, but I'd seen John Boyega and I was very excited because I really enjoyed Attack yeah. of the Block. Yeah, movie rules. And we've seen him in like I I didn't see the um oh, what what's that movie um, Pacific Rim that he's in. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. No, I missed that. Um, I haven't seen a lot of the roles that he's been outside of it. Um, he had that one with Emma mm-hmm. Watson, The Circle or something. Oh with, yeah, with Tom, Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah, in that too? which yeah. I I saw it, but it's not like it was a prominent like, it's not 
I don't I don't think like oh that's one of his top five films even though he's probably only done ten films in his career so far. Mm-hmm. But it was I I am I hope you know Peel Jordan Peel actually you know um, puts his actions where his words are and cast John in something because um, Jordan Peel awesome. does some really interesting stories. Yeah, and John Boyega he's like extremely funny. He has the ability to. Um, be extremely serious too. So I mean, he, he's in, he's a very very talented actor, and yeah, um, sure. him just screaming Ray for like fifteen minutes of of um, oh, Rise of Skywalker. Lord. I was there for it, you know, like yeah, one of the only things I liked in that movie. Sh- sh- could he have done other stuff? Yeah. Did I enjoy the stuff he did? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's like a, a really nice positive from this. So definitely now um, let's take a step back. All right. So we've done our news section. Okay. And right. typically when we do the news section, we um, move on to our next um, part, the main, the main, the main part of a Pedro right. boys episode. And we do usually, usually when we do the news section, we do make sure to sort of present the idea that we barely have a grasp of the material we're talking about. Seamless transition. Go on very long. It's important that we make sure um, when we go into production on this that we maintain that sense of they don't really know what they're talking about. They wrote one sentence on a notebook and then they figured the words would come, and they're really not. And it's sort of just in a holding pattern, but they can't quite move on until they're like definitely sure that they are definitely done saying anything. So I went two. I went. And we really gotta have that I want, substance I want, there. When I want we two shoot. shots as we're going to this. I want a panoramic view of our mm-hmm. backgrounds, um, showing how many awards we've gotten in all of our. Um, mm-hmm. Our huge, huge weights, and then I want um, our camera B to zoom in on our notes, and then like an out of focus shot, and then an in focus shot, but not getting at each and every part of the notes. So let's zoom into mine. All right, so I'm, I'm looking at it, and it shows John Favreau equal liar. All right, and mm-hmm. now we're zooming out. And great. All right. So um, we'll have a nice little zoom in on one of your notes so that we can kind of get a transition in of the Pager Boys presents Mudhorn Rakers presents the process. Yeah. And we'll zoom into my note here that just says in all caps, 19 minutes, question mark, exclamation point. Right. That's great. So um, in this, you know, this week we're covering um episode six i believe or is it episode eight sorry seven um who knows uh we're so unprepared oh it's episode, it's six. episode six um we're, we're covering yeah. the process and some of you might be thinking the process like haven't you been explaining each part of the process with the other episodes <laughs> like casting technology and the answer is yes you are 100% correct, fan, listener. Um, <laughs> but the title previs doesn't really 
have the same, like... Well, people think it's pre-Vizsla. Yeah, for sure. And nobody likes pre-Vizsla. I like pre-Vizsla. And they just don't want, like, pre-Vizsla to be around whatsoever. So mm-hmm. that's kind of why we have our episode six of the process. Well, I suspect someone uh, higher up in Lucasfilm, perhaps based on uh, encrypted communicators, even Po'boys LLC, had maybe become aware of John Favreau's ill intention to lay the groundwork of precedent in casting Katie Sackhoff as um, Bo-Katan as he's doing Mandalorian, that he was trying to set a precedent in which he would be able to mind trap those around him into letting him play pre in live action, even though he looks nothing like Previzla. And... Right? When he says, <laughs> oh, it's like we're a dojo... God about that. It's John Favreau speaking and saying, oh, this is my mind palace, and in my mind palace, it's a dojo! <laughs> and I have all of my... John Favreau likes to think of himself as a Hannibal Lecter well, type. Not, not only that, but he, he... Like, this just shows how, like honestly psychopathic he is because he was like mm-hmm. oh yeah everybody thought it was my vision but actually i took your idea and i took your idea and i took your idea and i never told anybody else but you all thought it was my vision but i would i actually just you know took rick's great idea and i said oh hey um deb look at this let's do this and then i took deb's idea and i said to dave like oh look how smart i am oh look at my great ideas yeah psychotic Psychotic, Johnny F. Uh, At once, psychotic and inept. It's so strange. But it's one of those things where you kind of, you know, you let the kid have his cake. And he's less trouble if he believes that he is this master manipulator. So everyone just kind of goes along with it. But sometimes you got to check it. And I knew that his plan would be to call this episode previs as a sort of launching pad of, oh, what episode's coming out this week? Cassie, like, what are we releasing? Oh, Previs. Hey, Previs. Previsla. Hey, speaking of Previsla. And we did. I was not about to give him that launch pad. The reason for it, too, is he saw that they did a whole episode to George Lucas, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm like George Lucas's son. Oh, look at me. Let's <laughs> talk about Previs. And then let's talk. I mean, as long as we're talking about Previs, we might as well talk about my Star Wars character, Previsla. Yep. Yep. Freaking typical. Yeah, so we get this episode process, and it was an infuriating episode for a few reasons, um, one of which is only 19 minutes long. Was this a YouTube video or something? And I'll scratch that note the out. The term is, um, there's that new streaming channel that's only like 10-minute videos. Oh, yes. I forget what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I know what it's called, but I don't want to say it because it's Yeah, stupid. we're not giving them a platform. Um, no, absolutely not. Uh, and now I just keep thinking about it. Um, infuriating because it was 19 minutes was his YouTube video, and that is my catchphrase. And also because it's like, hmm, mm. let me think. 
Um, Pre-visualizing an entire episode digitally before you actually enact it and putting all this time and effort into the previous process so the production process goes much, much smoothly. Hmm, where have I seen this process before? Oh, I don't know, every week of my life for the last like 111 weeks while we've been doing our podcast the exact same way and we did start our podcast before this show came out and I wonder where he got these ideas for doing all this pre-pro stuff. Hmm, I wonder if maybe he saw us doing previs for our podcast and then that, that made our production so good and so smooth and that's why our show is so well. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's not surprising whatsoever that he took our idea. Um, no, and I mean, our, our idea is meant to spread. It's a good idea. Right. Everyone's a winner when they do and this. That's kind of why we have, you know, some people are like, why don't you put a patent on Previs? And we say, mm-hmm. listen, we're getting enough money from our other investments that we can give something that's good right. for the world. That's why we have our psychoketostasis. Um, like we talked about a couple episodes exactly. ago. Exactly, hashtag psychoketostasis. That's right. And if it had been... You know, your Dave, your Debs, your Rick's talking about this. I would believe that it was parallel thought and sort of, you know, great minds thinking alike, coming to similar conclusions. I know John Favreau. This was not parallel thought. Kick rocks, John Favreau. Kick rocks. Put his heels to that asphalt and freaking kick rocks. Um, and so, you know, obviously. We'll talk about this during the production part of it and really establish um, that John Favreau's uh, dirtbag who's wrong just time and time again. Audiences really like it when we do that. Uh, and it's important that we um, seem very righteous and very judicious, which I guess would just equate to it's important that we are truthful and be ourselves because we are those things. So we really got to hit those tones. And people ask us all the time, they're like, you see all these people that are canceled on Twitter. Why have you not canceled John Favreau? And there's a couple. There's a couple things for that. One is there's a, a second John Favreau, who like deals in politics. So, <laughs> right, the speechwriter. Speech <laughs> so we are very cognizant that he has not changed his name. Even though we tell Johnny F like, change your name. Change your name. You have a middle mm-hmm. name. Use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. he hasn't done that yet. And the second thing is, at this point, John Favreau is connected to his career is connected to a lot of our good friends. So if he sure. does poorly, um, just capitalism the way it is, they're not sure. going. Yeah. And it's ahead. also it's it's also important to note that as we said, you know. Favreau thinks of himself as a sort of Hannibal Lecter-esque master manipulator, but, you know, is inept nonsense. And he is not hurting anyone because he could not if he tried. Um, It's more just this sort of wrangling a bull in a china shop kind of thing where it's like, boy, I wish this bull wasn't here. This china shop would be so much better. Uh, But, like, the bull's wearing, like, glasses and like a suit with like like a tweed jacket with like elbow pads and it's like i'm so smart look at me i'm manipulating everything and everybody's like oh okay so yeah a few reasons going into why he hasn't been canceled he's not worth the time he's not worth giving him time of day it's not worth it you know it's not worth it listeners we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna pay respects to the people that actually made the thing possible 
All right, so we're going to talk about Previs today and its connection to mm-hmm. the Mandalorian. So I got a couple notes. Um, the first mm-hmm. one being the um, comment that our um, dear, dear friend Kathy said that you want to make it closer to animation, which is such a great statement because, mm-hmm. you know, fans, they're always like with animated shows, they're like, oh, let's, I want to see this live action. I want to see this live action. Let's see this live action. But when it comes to behind the screen, it's the exact opposite so that you can see and visualize what you actually want to have. And I love the statement mm-hmm. that Kathy made of it makes it so, it wasn't, the term wasn't crisp. It, or maybe it was precise mm-hmm. and more defined, um, which is something I really, really enjoy of having that vision going into it all beforehand. Yeah, and it's it's particularly interesting given that, you know, in the most recent season of Clone Wars, also in the development of that, they do some mocap and stuff. So you, you're really starting to see a blend between the animation world of Star Wars and the live-action world of Star Wars, where they're using a lot of similar technologies. And I can't help but wonder how that will affect... Um, future Star Wars animation and how the production of future Star Wars animation will be informed by things like this now, and, you know, the use of game engines and things like that. I'm really curious what the budget constraints are going to be in the future. So, like, Clone Wars, um, Big George's project, had so much money, mm-hmm. had so All much money, money the world. and then um, Star Wars Rebels had less money to work with, um, so the, the product wasn't as really defined and then Star Wars Resistance had less money than that. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, they talk, like, Deborah Chow was talking about how she was there three months beforehand um, with her with her, her yeah. team, and is that a realistic thing? Like, how much money do you think that costs to have these people that, like, animators, it sounds like they are back-end, whereas in this, they were all front-end developers of the show, working in unison with the live action crew. So I'm curious, like, is this a sustainable model outside of Disney plus throwing a bunch of money in to get more subscribers? Yeah. I don't know. I I mean, you have to assume if it does work as well as, as they, you know, purport it to that as this sort of system and as a sort of process is, is further utilized, it will become, cheaper and, and more streamlined and that will give it the ability to um, be utilized in stuff that isn't supposed to be like the launching pad for a wildfire streaming service but yeah for sure it did leave me th- the so the whole idea was that they like previs the entire episode and they showed all these mashups between the previs and the live action and how much they matched and, you know, you, you mentioned Kathleen Kennedy saying something along the lines of how precise it gives you, or I think that was the word, you know. The whole time, though, it did, it did make me feel a little strange. Like, it made it feel like the live action in a lot of them was, like, karaoke to the previs. And I assume that they probably just showed as examples the instances where it matched up particularly well. Notice, well. No, notice though, um, Josh, that each of the scenes that they showed were the big action scenes, which 
That's that's fair. As we've seen, but and they say they previews the whole episode. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, maybe not. But it it just it it made me given this was particularly given this was only a nineteen minute episode. I wish they would have discussed improvisation and discovering things on the day and how no, they went the exact opposite way and how it did or didn't limit it yeah. exactly. And I yeah, I just really. I get that they don't want to say that there's any detriment to the process, but I'd be, I mean, I'm willing to bet there's still some wiggle room, but I wish they would have gone into that. Cause it did, like I said, it felt sometimes it was like, Oh, this sort of makes it, I don't know. It made it feel weird. It made it feel like a karaoke. Like I said, and they're trying to make it seem like this is like a superhero cast of directors, right? When they show like the two anecdotes that I mm-hmm. think of are Deborah saying on a big budget movie, you'd have two weeks we had three days to shoot these scenes. And then mm-hmm. um, Taika talking about how he had five days to do 360 shots. I really enjoyed that story about, you know, when you're in principal shooting with a glass, you might be like, let's riff off this, you know? There's a glass on the table. What do you do with the glass? Mm-hmm. And then when you're at the back end of it, you're like, shot of the glass. All right, let's move on. I really, I really thought yeah. that was hilarious. Definitely. And it, yeah, and you do make a good point that like it does afford the production the ability to move along quicker. And, you know, like on the one hand, I'm like, oh, it feels like karaoke. But on the other hand, we're getting a second season of The Mandalorian in four months. And that, you know, that's probably thanks to oh, yeah, 100%. The, their ability to streamline this process and that they're not doing, you know, 100 day shooting schedules and stuff like this. So, you know, pros and cons for sure. And I mean, when I'm watching The Mandalorian, I never once thought like, oh, this action feels stilted. You know, it doesn't. It's just like seeing it. It felt it felt strange. Seeing well, and, it. Um, and like as if they're shooting kind, to a you're kind of in awe script. of certain parts, too. Like I think of episode two when they're going into the valley and they get attacked by the Trandoshans and you see Mm -hmm. the Trandoshans jumping over the canyon on his helmet and Mm -hmm. just how you know cool all of that animation is and just the idea that they can do all that so succinctly in a year is I mean it's it's with we don't really know how many things are pushed back um, due to coronavirus. Um, you know, right. some they're releasing some movies in the fall, um, like Wonder Woman. Um, Black Widow, I think. And they're releasing some stuff on Disney Plus, like this, like Artemis Fowl movie. They're just like saying, "Screw it, let's just release it on the Disney Plus platform." So we have no idea, like how much stuff we really, really love is being pushed back because of this, but. I really like the fact that through this whole process, we're getting this very defined um, way of making TV so that we can continue to get Star Wars content. I'm very curious to see if, and they haven't announced this yet, and I don't think they're going to on the show, have they adapted this type of um, production to the Obi-Wan show, to the Cassian Andor show? Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know because I don't. I'm, I'm, I'd be curious how far along those are, those shows are. Like, if they have even gone into pre-production. I guess if they're casting, 
they're probably in pre-production on Cassie and Andor. I doubt they're in pre-production on the Kenobi show. But yeah, I did that. That is very interesting. Like, you assume, like, oh yeah, of course they'll they'll probably do a lot of the same stuff and, and use the same technologies. But I don't know. Yeah, I would think. Well, they have an incentive to, so. to make it longer and longer for Obi Wan because it continues to age you and McGregor. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. Oh, you McGregor's body is battered by time and gravity. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> Excellent. And he's been spending a lot of time in the sun. Good, 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 good. Oh, he looks like garbage. Oh, thank. Uh, that's great. All right, let's throw let's throw oh, him in a, in a desert. Oh goodness. <laughs> Uh, they also talk about the storyboarding phase, like before the previous phase, they talk about the storyboarding phase. I thought that that was pretty neat. And I guess just to keep beating my weekly dead horse kind of stuff would have been cool seeing an art book. Oh, yeah, for sure. Showing little Yanni. I would have loved to see like that, that those little um, uh, the previous storyboards of him. Um, I really mm-hmm. like that animation for sure. Yeah, and it just, um, when you see the story simplified as it is in a storyboard, you know, it's it, it boils it down visually to its most basic elements and sort of gives you insight into, you know, what the nugget of the story was before all the bells and whistles. Um, and, I mean, you know, okay, that's pretty straightforward when it's a giant rhino fighting Boba Fett and Baby Yoda. You, you know, there's not a lot more going on, but... I don't know. I just think it provides interesting insight into um, kind of the germs of, of some of the action sequences and things like that. And it's, I don't know, I've always found it very interesting. Um, Bong Joon-ho, like who directed... The Mudhorn, uh, a rhino, when it's literally one of the few times we can use our, our title. Great point. <laughs> I did also call Mandalorian Boba Fett. But uh, Bong Joon-ho, who directed and wrote Parasite, storyboards all these oh, really? movies, I guess. And he storyboarded all of Parasite, and they're releasing as a book the storyboards like as a as a graphic novel type thing the whole all his storyboards for parasite well, while we're doing announcements mid our second phase of this episode um with you know mandalorian coming out in october um you speaking about books high republic got pushed you texted me that no yeah so sure. to january right so i can't you know Sip. Um, honestly, I was so mad. I didn't look at the article you sent me <laughs> because, you know, for me, uh, I like also, to, you know, with a floaty in the pool, protein shake on my left, and then a nice book on my right. And that was mm-hmm. my High Republic was going to be one of my books, and uh, now it's not. Mm. Yep. Yep. That was delayed. Uh, Follow up to my thrilling august last week tough mother that got rescheduled for star celebration weekend now canceled star celebration still on nothing still on baby what are they doing freaking drive me crazy with this drive me crazy with this um <sighs> anyway yes back to back to mudhorns um I will say that this past week in particular, I have had to be in teleconferences way too much. <laughs> um, I don't know that I've ever 
spoken as harshly in a professional setting as I have had to over the last week. And I did not care for it. And I will say, uh-huh. some of this roundtable nonsense had a definite teleconference vibe to the discussion. And it was... I did not care for it. Interesting, okay. Uh, not all of it, but there was one point in particular where I was like, I'm, I'm having flashes of people talking over each other in a teleconference. Oh, um, wow, okay. I don't know. Drove me crazy. Drove me crazy. Because we talk uh, over each other a lot. I did have... <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's basically our brand to do the same thing, but I don't listen to our show, so it doesn't bother me. Just our um, scores and scores of followers. I did have, yeah, I did have one question. Um, Pete, I'm hoping you can answer. Do you know, did John Favreau have anything to do with Jungle Book or Lion King? Huh, I I had not. I, I can't. I, I can't. You know what? Let me, uh, let me IMDB it. They kind of it. hint at it. Let me IMDB it. Let me IMDB it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's I guess he was attached subtle, to but if you're, Jungle Book and mm, Lion King. Okay, I thought so. I thought so. It's very subtle, but they will very quietly kind of intimate that he was involved in uh, the Jungle Book and Lion King. And so I couldn't help but wonder if there was a way to get confirmation on that. Very interesting. I thought he might have been involved. Interesting. Based on the very subtle implications of some of these episodes. Very curious. Very curious. Um, 19 minutes. What is this, a YouTube video? Oh, I thought you were talking about how long we've been talking in the episode. <laughs> oh. oh, we've been talking for like two hours, I assume. Uh, do you know what next week's episode is? Next week's episode is actually one of the highlights. Um, next week's episode is Score. Oh. And, uh, that'll be great. You'll be I, very into well, that. I, yeah, my running, running music. music. <laughs> my running music. It'll be... It'll be... Are you... Are you ready for your feed to kind of blow up when it... I guess we can give the scoop now, but... I mean, Louis Gorenson composed... The score to Mandalorian in searching for sort of the momentum that this sort of very action heavy series needed. You know, he composed it to you running, yeah. you know, and they had you and your heart rate monitors and stuff hooked up to a treadmill and translated that into tempos and percussions and things like this. So, I mean, you're you, you played a big part in the music he, of this. So I'm curious. I'll be I'll be, yeah, be fun did, seeing he you did that as a favor to me, because, you know, mm-hmm. when you have talented friends like we do. You utilize them, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, sure. um, you really enjoy tech projects. Why don't you come help us with our previs project or our psychoketostasis project? And Ludwig, our boy, um, you know, I, I like to run, but I, I get so bored with the whole running process because I run so fast and so long. So mm-hmm. I was like, hey, can you throw mm-hmm. me a mixtape? Um, you know, what would be really cool. Like, if I got to chase various Star Wars things, right? Like, if I got to chase <laughs> right. a speeder, if I got to chase an X-Wing. Sure. Um, and then he was like, mm, I think a sand crawler's more your Yeah, speed. and that was a little, you know, riffing because, you know, I did beat right. him in a foot race in the desert in Tunisia. Yeah. Um, long, long story. Mm-hmm. Don't even worry about that. Maybe for our... Right. 
And it's funny, these conversations, I remember you two having these conversations back when we were all sitting around the studio during with, with Gambino during the production of Camp and, and these discussions coming up. So it's so cool so many years later to see those discussions come to fruition and to see that that discussion be highlighted in next week's episode. Yeah, I'm very and excited. Fortunately, I mean, I was riffing a little bit, so... In the song where Mando is chasing the Sandcrawler, when we originally recorded it, I, al- I also keep saying the word, wait, wait for me, wait for me, as like a joke, and <laughs> wait, don't leave me. Um, Help! <laughs> Over here! <laughs> um, but they were able to take that out um, for... Um, just for me, I was like, it's not about me. It's about the material. It's about the Mandalorian. And they were very kind. So I'm very, very excited mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Um, this this episode. And then we've got, after that, the episode is Connections, um, which I, I've heard is just him playing Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but Six Degrees of John Favreau. Um, Right. I I'm I'm I can't help but wonder, oh, will the Poe Boys be somehow mysteriously omitted in his degrees of separation in which we are basically the degree of separation between him and everyone, and yet somehow I think we maybe won't appear in that episode. Yeah. Hmm. And I mean if you do a Venn diagram, we're in the middle of it. Yeah. I mean it's not a brag, it's just an observation. It's, like well, it's just, it's just like a statement of fact. Mm-hmm. It's like we know everybody. Everybody knows us. Everybody knows everybody else through us. Like, it's just, I don't know. We are around a yeah. lot. Um, so if you want to get a hold of us, poboyspodcast at gmail.com. We got an Instagram. We got a Twitter. If you like us enough, I'm sure you can find it. Um, and other than that, hey, have a, have a, have a good one. Bye.